0: Genesis, chapter 45, and Revelation, Revelation, chapter 2, Genesis, chapter 45, and Revelation, chapter 2, we have been doing a series from the pit to the palace, a journey through the life of Joseph. We've been going through the book of Genesis, we began with uh, New Beginning, looking at the first 11 chapters, then Leaders and Losers, and now from the pit to the palace, we've been studying the life of Joseph. And where we have come in our study, we have seen that Joseph is an amazing picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are almost 300 specific details of Joseph's life that prefigured our Savior. And just by the laws of probability, there's no way that that could have happened unless the same person who wrote Genesis wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so it's a a blessing to see the book that God has given us. And Joseph, when Joseph revealed to his brothers... That they were going to bow before him. They said, Will he indeed reign over us? Will he indeed have dominion over us? And they sought out to kill him. And they ended up selling him into slavery. They put him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and they said, We will see what will become of his dreams. But God's word is true. And what God had promised for Joseph, it happened. So he's taken and he's sold into slavery. He is put in Potiphar's house, and he's the captain of the king's guard, and he rises to the highest place in Potiphar's house. Then he's lied about and thrown into prison, and he rises to the highest place in the prison. The Bible says God was with him in Potiphar's house. God was with him in the prison. And then he's raised to sit on the right hand of the king. Isn't that exciting? Just as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sacrificed. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And Philippians says, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. And that's what he did for Joseph. The Pharaoh gives Joseph a new name, (laughs) Zaphath-Panea. Zaphath-Panea. And that means Savior of the world. Who's Jesus Christ? Savior of the world. And he's put at the right hand of the king, and then he's given a bride. He's given a Gentile bride. Here's a young Hebrew man given a Gentile bride. And the next thing that happens is seven years of tribulation. Just like in your Bible. Just like is going to happen in the future. God was telling us what was going to happen. The Bible says then when Joseph's brethren, because of the famine, come down and they they bow before him. The Bible says, and Joseph spake harshly unto them. And that's what Jesus Christ is going to do to Israel for seven years of tribulation. And the purpose of that is to bring the children of Israel To the place where they'll realize that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And whereas they did say, we'll not have this man to reign over us. And that's what they said. And Jesus Christ tells us that story. in Luke chapter 19 and verse 14 says, we will not have this man to reign over us. Well, now he is reigning. And in chapter 45 of Genesis, Joseph has revealed himself to his brethren. Do you know what that tells us? The first thing that it tells us is that God is not done with the nation of Israel. Amen. And I'll tell you what, right now in churches all over even Sydney, Ohio, people are being taught that that Israel is persecuting Palestine and they don't have the right to the land. I was preaching out in Colorado a few weeks ago and I got done preaching and this guy came up to me and said, now, you know, the Jews aren't really the Jews. He said, we are Israel. He says, the Bible calls them the synagogue of Satan. And I said, no, 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 no. That passage is talking about you. (laughs) Look at it. Revelation chapter 2. That's from my book on how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) Look look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. I know thy works and tribulation. This is Jesus writing to to the church at Smyrna. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I love that. God has a different understanding of wealth than we do. And he said, I know the blasphemy... Of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. That is replacement theology. That is the idea. That's the teaching that the church has replaced Israel and that all the promises that God made to Israel, they don't belong to Israel anymore. They belong to us. That's a lie. That's out of the pit of hell and smells like smoke. That is rough stuff. And the Bible calls it blasphemy. It's blasphemy. So all over the world right now, there is, a, there is an uprising against Israel. And what's amazing is it's happening in the churches. Um, I'm reading a book right now on why are Jews liberal. And it doesn't really make sense because conservatives, and especially conservative Christians, are the best friends Israel has. Amen. Because the Bible says in Genesis, "I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee." Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what we're doing. So anyway, I'm reading this book and it's it's really convoluted how how the thinking happened. And they they align with these mainline denominations that literally are calling for their destruction. It's crazy. So, what does that have to do with what does that have to do with Genesis? Because that's what Genesis 45 is all about. That God is not done with Israel. And he is going to call his people back to him. And they're going to come back to him. And bow before him. And call him their savior. What a wonderful thing. But right now. For us to say that we are Israel. That's blasphemy. God hates that. And so we'll just take the scriptures for what they say. And we'll believe that we are the church. And that Israel is Israel. It's amazing what happens when you just take the words for what they say. Amen? God is not done with Israel. All of those promises. In in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7, the Bible says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Perform what? That Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and rule and reign among his people. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform. I don't think I want to get in the way of the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Do you? No, the Bible describes Jesus Christ as the one who stretched out the heavens. Now, how many of you believe God created the heavens and the earth? All right. But how did he do it? He stretched it out. That means he's pretty big. I don't want to get in his way. That's not just poetic language. That's what he did. Amen. Amen. So what the Bible says. So now, let's go to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Let's look at what happens. Verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known To his brethren, the Bible says that God is going to put a sign in the sky that Jesus Christ is back. He's going to reveal himself to his brethren. That's what's happening here. And look at what it says. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. You think? And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye you sold me th- that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Has anybody ever done you dirty? Anybody ever really just, just really hurt you or lied to you or made you look bad? Maybe God had a plan. Maybe God had a plan. In our class downstairs, we talked about this a little bit. Does anyone here believe that we hold God's word in our hands and it's true. Does anyone here believe that? If you come to Christ Baptist for any length of time. That that would be your position. Because if it's not your position. You won't be able to stand it. You know? These people are crazy. Because we believe every word of this book. But do we believe what it says? You see, there's a big difference between believing in the inerrancy and the preservation of Scripture and believing it when you have to live it. When the trouble comes, when life is hard. Man, it's still true. It's still true. And I got to tell you, I, I doubt there's anybody in this room who went through what Joseph did. The Bible said that he was in torment. The Bible said that he was in iron shackles, that he screamed and cried for help and no one helped him, that he was tormented by his captors and his brothers ignored it and mocked him as he was being taken. I don't think we've gone through that. And what did Joseph say? Guys, look. Now therefore be not grieved nor anger with yourselves that ye you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Later on he says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Has anyone here ever heard does anyone here know the verse Romans eight twenty eight? For all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Is that in the Bible? Was it good that Joseph was put in the pit, that he was lied about, that he was put in prison? Was that good? No. No. But God made it good. He made it good. Joseph is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in his suffering, but also in his forgiveness. Don't be grieved. Don't be grieved at yourself. Could you say that to somebody that had hurt you deeply? I don't know if I could. You know who can? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, look at what it says. Verse 6. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the, in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. What's he doing? He's absolving them of their responsibility for hurting him. Why? Because he trusted God. Because God, when he was 17 years old, 16 years old, had given him a dream. And all through the text it tells us, and Joseph remembered the dream that he had dreamed. He believed God. He had received the revelation of God and he believed that it was true. So for us as believers, those of us who are born again, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. Those of us who have done that. We're not trusting in our baptism or our good works or our church membership. We're only trusting in Jesus Christ. We're on that narrow way, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, that leads us to life everlasting. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as the only way and the one who inspired his word, those of us who believe that, We have received the revelation of God. Now are we going to apply it to our lives? This stuff is real, man. They're not just stories. This really happened, and they're there for us when the rubber meets the road. All right? So now, look at what it says. In verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Man, I don't have time to preach that whole thing, but because we'll be in Genesis until you know the next millennium. If we don't get through this, but just right there. Do you know what happens as you grow in the Lord? The first thing that happens is God is your father. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We cry unto him, Abba, Father. He's, he's, our, he's, he's our, our heavenly Father. That's, that's who we know him to be. And then he becomes our Lord. Our Lord. When we get saved and we acknowledge who he is as Savior and Lord, that if thou shalt call in the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? So he is our, we realize that he's the Father and Creator of the world and has prerogatives and rights to us. He is the Lord. That means he has the right to rule and reign over us. He has the right to do that. But look at the text. He's made me Father and Lord and ruler. See there's a difference between acknowledging his right to rule and saying you're my ruler. Rule me. That's spiritual maturity. That's what happens. And that's what God did for Joseph and that's who Jesus Christ is. He's father. He's father. That's what the Bible says. His name shall be wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9:6. That's Jesus Christ. He is our father. He is our Lord. He is our ruler. And that's who he had to be to Joseph or to to his brethren. Remember the ones who said, will he indeed reign over us? Will he indeed have dominion over us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he will. Now, let's go on. It's a good thing we didn't have time to preach on that right there. All right. Verse nine. Haste ye. And this is what I'm preaching on today. Haste ye. Go up to my father. Go up to my father. You know what he's saying? Go tell Jacob that I'm alive. Go tell him. Now, what does this tell us? First of all, it's a message of hope to us. God is not done with Israel. He's not done with them. Okay, Pastor, you've talked about that already. But you gotta understand. They messed with him for two thousand years. They've denied him and lied about him and rejected him for two thousand years. You know what that means? I've been saved since I was fifteen years old. I'm forty seven now. That's thirty two years. Right? I Any mean math people? Is that okay, Yvonne? Did I get that? I'm mathematically challenged. All right? Thirty-two years. Nobody think I've messed up in 32 years? Yeah. 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 You know what I'm glad of? God doesn't keep count. He takes my sin and he casts it as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. You know what that means? It means there's hope. There's hope. I can keep going, I can serve him. Uh, Laura and the kids and me—we watched *The Patriot* this week. It was, on, it was on TV. We had recorded it. Anybody ever see that movie, *The Patriot*? Man, by the time that movie was done, I wanted to kill something. <laughs> you know, they're going after stuff, and they're in this big battle, and the the British are coming at them, and they're they're falling back, and the one guy yells to the to the hero, he says, "The lines are breaking! The lines are breaking!" And he goes and grabs a flag, and starts running. Men, hold the line! Hold the line! Do you know what Jesus Christ tells us? Hold the line! Have hope! What I promised you is true. If what I promised for Israel 4,000 years ago is still true, and it's becoming more and more and more true every day, if that's true, then what I promised for you in your life, it's true! Hold the line! There's hope for you! There's hope for us. I know you're hurting. I know it's hard. I know this world, it weighs you down, but there's hope. Believe it. This word is true. And he, Now listen, if God will move heaven and earth to bring Israel back to him, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to move heaven and earth. The whole earth is going to shake. The, the, the world's going to be shifted around during that tribulation period. All to bring Israel back to Him. If He's going to do that, then whatever He's promised you is true. That peace that He's promised you, He'll give it to you. That hope, that joy that's gone, that you, you haven't experienced in so long, He wants to give you that joy. There is hope! Let that flag hold the line. It's true, man. All right, there is hope. It's a message of hope for Israel. But not only that, it's a message that Jacob didn't believe. Look at what it says in chapter 45. Look at verse 25. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. You understand that's where Israel is right now? We're telling them all the time they're hearing the message of Jesus Christ. The one that you thought was dead, remember, they killed him, they put him on the cross, he's dead. They think he's gone. Hey, you know what we've been telling them for 2,000 years? Hey, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. But don't miss this. Would you mark it in your Bible? Remember, more than 20 times in the life of Jacob from Bethel, when he meets Christ, he meets the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus changed his name from Jacob to Israel. When he's in the flesh making wrong decisions, God calls him Jacob. When he's doing right, God calls him Israel. And they came to Canaan, verse 25, unto Jacob, their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. You see, this is a message that he did not believe. The message is that he's alive. Not only is he alive, he sits on the throne and rules the whole earth. That is our message, but he doesn't rule the whole earth right now. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. When Jesus Christ was tempted and he offered Jesus Christ all the kingdoms of the earth, if he couldn't give it to him, then it was not a legitimate temptation. The Bible says about Jesus Christ, but not yet are all things under his feet. When is this message? This message is for the tribulation period when Jesus Christ is coming back and he is going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and be governor over all the earth. That's the message. That's the message. So it's a message that Jacob hardly believed, but it's also a message to Israel. It's a message to Israel. The one they thought to be long dead was alive. Now, I want you to see something and don't miss it. Please mark this in your Bible, if you would. How did they teach him? How did they persuade him? Look at what the text says. Verse 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph. Do you know how we are supposed to communicate the message of redemption to this world? All the words of Joseph of Jesus you know we don't need to have somebody come and jump our buses on a motorcycle you know uh, how many of you have been in a church where they did all that stuff you know did all the all the big things going on um, Dalton Robertson said he he wrestled his wife in Nevada baked beans one time to get a crowd <laughs> I wish I could have seen that man I think he was lying but it would have been fun to see it, and people do all different kinds of things do you know what our job is? Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. The Bible, the Apostle Paul to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will gather unto themselves teachers having itching ears. That, that's the world that we live in, and so our message is still the words of Jesus Christ. That is what finally gets through to Israel. Is the word of God. Do you know what's going to get through to your loved one? Your godly life. And your testimony of the word of God. That's our hope. You're not going to beat them by arguments. You're not going to beat them by debate. Debate has never won anyone to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your personal testimony and your testimony to the word of God. Genesis 45. It's a message that was hardly believed. It's a message to Israel, and they brought it with such power and consistency that Joseph finally be- or that Jacob finally believed it. But then it's a message that's throughout the scriptures. So let's look at this. Let's take a minute and look at how this is throughout the scriptures. Let's begin in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. You're thinking, begin, you've been going for 20 minutes. What do you th- Don't worry, it'll be okay. Daniel chapter 9. Verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Now, 70 weeks. What are the 70 weeks of Daniel? This is where God has told the world ahead of time what's coming. From the time of Daniel, there will be 70 weeks... Until the end of the world. All right? Now, we are in the long week of Daniel, the 69th week. That's the church age. But let's look at how he breaks this down. And when we study Daniel, as soon as we're done with Genesis, we are going to start over in Daniel and go through it so that you can understand all of this. But look at what it says. Seventy weeks are determined upon the church. Is that what it says? What's it say? What does it say? Now, was Daniel a pastor? Who was Daniel? Daniel was a Jewish prophet. So, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. This is talking about Israel. All right? 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. What's the holy city for Christians? We don't have one. The Bible says we have no continuing city. Israel has a holy city, and it's Jerusalem. Everybody's going to be afraid to answer questions now. All right? Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Look at this. To finish the transgression. To make an end of sins. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. The church doesn't bring in everlasting righteousness. Jesus Christ does when he establishes His kingdom. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. Who is that? That's Jesus Christ the Messiah. He's anointed when he sits on the throne. And is identified to the world as the Messiah. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Now look at what it says. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to, do, to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. All right? So when you break that down, it was 490-some years, and that's exactly from the time the children of Israel were allowed to go back to the land and reestablish Israel until Jesus Christ came as the Messiah in the triumphal entry. It was 490 years exactly. God told them exactly what was going to happen. Then look at what it says. Uh, so look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Everywhere in your Bible where it says he shall be cut off, that is killed. So this is the prophecy. In, in Daniel chapter 9, that Jesus Christ would be killed, but not for himself. There was no reason for them to kill Jesus. He was as a lamb taken to the slaughter. He was, they shed innocent blood. He died for us. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. He died for our sins. That's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 9. It's right here. Then look at what it says. And the people of the prince, notice You see here, if you look in chapter, in verse 25, you have the capital Messiah, the prince, the capital prince. Here you have people of the prince, lowercase prince. This is the Antichrist. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So people wonder, where's the Antichrist going to come from? Well, who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple after Jesus Christ was crucified? Who destroyed it? Who? Rome. Rome, Titus, the general, was a Roman general. Rome did it. So that means the Antichrist is going to come out of Rome. Is that what it says right here? Are we making anything up? No, it's what it says right here. So then, look at what it says. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. What are these desolations? That's the tribulation period. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, what is that talking about? That week, seven years of tribulation, Joseph is talking about seven years of famine, tribulation, that's going to drive his brethren to come and bow before him. That's what happens in Genesis. Here, seven years of tribulation. Halfway through those seven years, the sacrifices are going to cease. That's when the Antichrist stands up in the Holy of Holies in the temple and does the abomination of desolation and corrupts and violates the temple and says I am God that's what it says and then who is this on it's on the desolate it's on the desolate who are the desolate they're the people who are going through the tribulation period thy people primarily focused on the nation of Israel So that's the message of Daniel. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let's look at the message of Stephen. You know what? Before we do that, let's let's do the message of Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 12. So Malachi, last book in your Old Testament, right before it, Zechariah. Zechariah, chapter 12. The consistency of this message throughout Scripture can only be described as supernatural. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. So who's it for? Israel. Saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth. See that? Stretcheth forth the heavens, layeth the foundation of the earth, and form the spirit of man within him. What he's doing is he is establishing his divine prerogative to pronounce this judgment. Right? Look at verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And I will make, and in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. I want you to know right now that every nation in the world is struggling about what to do with Jerusalem. You understand that the whole issue of global terrorism is all based on Israel. Every nation in the world right now is struggling with the battle of what to do with Israel. That's where we are. That's where we are. Then look at what it says. In the middle of uh, verse 3, "...all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it." It doesn't sound to me like God's done with Israel. Does it sound to you? In that day. Anyone notice that? In that day? In that day. That day always begins with Jesus Christ coming and setting His feet on the earth and destroying His enemies. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. Would you mark that right there? His rider with madness. Jesus Christ is the Creator, He controls your mental health. You know, I've never seen anyone use this verse in counseling. But I'm just telling you when all these nations come against Israel, He's going to make their horses go blind. He's going to make their horses go crazy. He's going to make them lose their minds. They won't know what to do. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ upholds all things with the word of his power. It says all things are made by him, and by him all things consist. Do you know what that tells us? That tells us right now Jesus controls my mental Anybody here believe that? How many of you think he's not doing very well with me right now? (laughs) He does. Do you believe that? How many of you believe Zechariah chapter 12? Do you believe that? He's going to strike them with madness. That means he's the only one keeping them from being mad right now. Man, when you're struggling with your mind, go to the one who controls it. He will help you. So now let's go back to this text. And the governors of Judah shall say in their hearts, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength, and the Lord hosts their God. Now, let us I want you to drop down. There's so much to be taught. But go down to verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This is exactly what happened with Joseph. It's exactly what happened. They finally come. He speaks harshly to him. They bow down before him. He reveals himself to them. They look on him. Go back to Isaiah chapter forty-five. We're done in Zechariah. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter forty-five. Then Joseph, verse one. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before them that stood before before them that st- before all them that stood before him. And he cries out in verse 3, I am Joseph. He reveals them himself to them. And then look at verse uh, It's still verse 3. And his brethren, middle of the verse, could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. They looked upon him whom they had pierced. They sold him into slavery. They put him in the pit. But God was with him. But don't miss this. How in the world would that prophet, Zechariah, know that Jesus Christ was going to be pierced? Hands, feet, spear in his side? Because this is a supernatural book. And if you can trust the fact that hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was crucified, The Bible says he would be. Then you can trust that he can give you the joy, the peace, the hope, that he can carry you through until his return. You can trust him. You can promise. You can believe his promises. Then, then the message of Zechariah. Look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, the message of Stephen. Remember what's happening? Jesus Christ has been crucified. He has then, at the beginning of Acts, the Bible says... Uh, that the book of Acts is about all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And then the disciples begin in the power of the Holy Spirit after Acts chapter 2 to preach what Jesus Christ had taught them. And all the way through chapter 7, it's a continuing appeal to the Jews. It's a a second offer after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after the crucifixion and resurrection. It's a continued offer to Israel for Him to be their Messiah. And Acts chapter 7 is the last of those offers. And look at verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 9. Acts chapter 7, verse 9. This is Stephen's message to the Israelites, to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. And the patriarchs... This is speaking of Joseph's brothers. And the patriarchs moved with envy. Remember the consistency of Scripture. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, Pilate knew that they had sold him, that they had sold Jesus Christ... For envy, that's what Pilate said, the consistency of Joseph's type. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth. This is the desolate, the desolation of Daniel chapter 9. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and, a great, and great affliction and our fathers found no sustenance. See, you got to understand this. Tribulation brought those men to, to Joseph and trouble will bring you to Jesus. Man, when you're in trouble, go to the one who wants to help you. The only one who has life. Go to him. If you're not saved, go to Jesus Christ for salvation. Verse 12, But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. Now look at this and mark it. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren. When are the Jews going to recognize Jesus Christ? His second coming. At his second time. Anybody get goosebumps right there? This book is so powerful. So consistent. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred, three score and fifteen souls. The message of Stephen. Stephen is telling them a second coming, Jesus Christ is going to do it. And what was his point in talking about Joseph? What was Stephen's point? That just as Joseph was tormented by his brethren, Jesus Christ, your brother after the flesh, was killed by you. But he's still your Messiah, and you're still going to bow before him. Did they receive the message? No, they killed him. They killed him. Then, let's look at the message of Paul. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Okay, hold Romans chapter 11. Let's review Genesis 45. I want you to notice something. Remember, Jacob is called Jacob when he's in the flesh. He's called Israel when he's in the spirit, when he's doing what God wants him to do. Verse 27, Genesis 45, 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto him or, unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And now look at what it says. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Before the nation of Israel is destroyed, they turn and they call on the Son of God. You are our Lord. And God says, you are my people. Zechariah 13 9 it's an amazing thing how clear the scriptures are now I want you to see how this carries over into Paul's teaching Romans chapter 11 verse 25 Romans eleven twenty five. 25 for I would not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery now remember what a, what a biblical mystery is that's something that couldn't be known unless God told it to you so don't be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So now, the Apostle Paul is making a clear distinction between Israel and the church. Right now, Israel in part has come... Blindness has come in part to Israel. Some Jews will be saved in this time period. It's not complete blindness, praise God. Isn't that good? Some Jews will come to Christ... But but blindness in part has come to Israel until, that's a time word, the fullness of the Gentiles become in. There will come a time when the last Gentile gets saved. That's it. We don't know when that's going to be. It could be today. It could be 500 years from now. We don't know when it's going to be. But the last Gentile will get saved. The fullness of the Gentiles will become in. Then look what the Bible says. Verse 26. And so... All, what does it say? Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the Deliverer and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. It's amazing. Do you know what that ungodliness is? Look at what it says. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Keep your place. Daniel chapter 9, and we'll be done. Keep your place in Romans. Daniel chapter 9. What is the purpose of this tribulation period? Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people... And upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Back to Romans 11. For this is, verse 27, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. What is the sin? What is the iniquity? It is the iniquity and sin of having rejected and crucified the Messiah. And then the continuing iniquity of rejecting Him as their Savior. You see, there's only one sin. There is only one sin that is unforgivable. Only one. The Bible calls it the unpardonable sin. Remember what happened? Jesus Christ had cast out demons and the Pharisees said that he did it in the power of Beelzebub when the Bible says he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The only unforgivable sin is refusing, refusing the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit Comes when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. That's it. When you look at Isaiah or Genesis chapter 45, God's not done with Israel. There is coming that time of tribulation and they will turn to Him. The tribulation is not for the church. There are a lot of preachers now preaching that the church is going to go through the first half of the tribulation period. No, the time is appointed for thy upon thy people. But what, the church has received Jesus Christ. You can't be in the church. You're not in the church unless you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. So Jesus Christ is not coming to judge people who believe in him. He's coming to judge people who refuse to believe in him. And listen, it's all true. It's all true. It's a message of hope. It's a message to the Jews. It's a message to Israel. And it's a message to us that it is our job to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. Uh, I I told you that was the last passage, so we won't turn to it. But Isaiah chapter 66. In Isaiah chapter 66, God sends after the. He comes and his people, Jewish people begin acknowledging him. He sends them to the ends of the world to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. The Jews are going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He's not done with Israel. You see, what God promised for Israel is still true today. Amen? You know what that means? What He promised for me is still true. When He promised me He'd never leave me to forsake me, that's true. When he promised me that he's the God of all hope, that's true. When he promised me that he's the God of all comfort, that's true. When he promised me that there's no temptation taken me, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. When he said that, it is true. Folks, you can trust him today. I hope that you do. Man, I know there are people in here that are going through hard times. And if you think I'm thinking of you, I might be. But there's a whole lot of people in this room that are going through trouble. Trust Him. Believe Him. He loves you. He thinks only good of you if you're saved. If you're not born again, the Bible says He's angry with the wicked every day. If you've not trusted Him as your Savior, I hope that you will today. If you have... Run to Him. He loves you. He'll help you. He'll be your ever present help in time of need. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We need you.